On today's podcast, we catch up with two Medics Money podcast listeners, Matt, who's a GP, and Jim, who's a radiologist, and they run an investment club together. They talk about how they got started with the investment club and the aims of the investment club, which aren't solely about making money and all about staying in touch with old uni mates. We talk about their biggest wins, their biggest losses, and what they've learned. At Medics Money, we're really passionate about investing and we've got loads of information to help you get started. So I definitely recommend you to listen to our investing podcast where we detail a really nice way for those of you that are just looking to get started with smaller amounts to get it started with investing. Super low cost, super easy. It's a robo-advice service basically. And if you are looking to invest bigger amounts, then definitely do your research or use an advisor, please. The other thing I have to say is, as with all Medics Money podcasts, the information here is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any form of financial advice. The value of your investments may rise and fall and you may get less back than when you started with. And some of the participants in today's podcast may hold positions in some of the investments mentioned. So with a disclaimer like that, you know we're going to be talking about some interesting stuff. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Medics Money podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. On today's podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Matt, who's a GP, and Jim, who's a radiologist. Morning, guys. Hi there. Morning. Uh, Matt, do you want to just tell us a bit about yourself and what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a 46-year-old GP working uh, in Southampton. I'm a PCN director and um, do a couple of other things, do a bit of medical legal work, uh, trainer and uh, in a, a partner in a big practice um, Yeah, in the middle of Southampton and been there for about six years. Awesome. And Jim? Yeah, hi, I'm Jim. I'm a radiologist working up in the northwest, uh, clinical director of a large radiology department uh, involved in management within the trust and also to a degree training um, as well. Big responsibilities at work, but uh, very much enjoy being part of this investment club, which is what we're here to talk about. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Your working life sounds interesting, but I'm personally much more interested in the investment club. So do you want to just tell me, for those listeners who haven't heard of what an investment club is and why and how you went about it, just give us a sort of summary of uh, what the investment club is, because I love this idea and I think you guys have obviously had a lot of fun doing it. So tell me a bit more about it. So shall I start, Jim? Yeah, sure, sure. So, so originally we were graduates in Nottingham and most of us graduated in 1998. Um, and there was a few mates, and I went in the Navy uh, the, early on in the time. And when I was in the Navy, from the first year of the Navy, I was down in Dartmouth and I had too much time on my hands, really. And, and I thought, why don't we, it'd be good, really good to keep together. And how do we keep together? Because things drift, don't they? So I thought, why don't I set up an investment club? They were a big vogue at the time. So loads of people were doing these things. And so I contacted random mates, actually, some from university, some from the Navy couple from home and I said would you like to be involved and we agreed that yes we would and we all agreed to put some money in Jim what was your take on it at the time yeah no I agree with Matt really we'd all sort of drifted after university at 98 and as you do everyone sort of gets off on their own path and we were sort of spread up pretty much around the UK 
And um, I think it's fair to say Matt's been the driving force behind all this. Um, but yeah, he, he got in touch and uh, it went from there, really. And it provides a fantastic opportunity to keep in touch because blokes being blokes in particular, um, you know, they do tend to drift and, you know, don't tend to phone each other or keep in touch perhaps as well as, as, as women do. So I think it's provided a focus for us all each year to get together. And, and the investment for me personally, obviously there's quite a lot of money involved now, but in, in the beginning, certainly it was more about the social side of things. And I think it's important not to underestimate uh, the social aspect to it as well and keeping in touch. Yeah, definitely. Me and Matt as GPs are too scared to phone you, Jim, as a radiologist, because you might say um, no yeah. to our scan, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, so the investment club is basically you all got together. There's um, six or seven of you now, or, or just tell me how about how it all works and who puts the money in and so what's been going there's, on. There's five of us now, but originally it was thirteen. Now one guy, um, one guy never paid his his two hundred pound deposit and never 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 heard from him again. So I had I had loads of effort trying to give him the money back actually, um, and then the others. I guess we lost a few in the first few years, didn't we? There was yeah, early on we lost quite yeah. a few, and uh, and then we were putting in eighty pounds a month at the time uh, to to eke up to about a thousand pounds a year, and then um, and then probably we'd lost most people by two thousand four, and we were down to about six. We subsequently lost one in about two thousand and eight, and everyone else has, has stayed in. But of course, as the as the money gets bigger, you know, there's there's mortgages and houses to buy and things and so there is a, a temptation to to take the money and you know now we've got twenty four thousand pounds in each and that or twenty something thousand pounds in each and that and that you know is quite a, a tempting amount of money to use if you've got a car purchase or something so it can be a it can be a temptation um, and that's one of the risks or of it continuing really yeah and so essentially, a load of mates from uni wanted to keep in touch, wanted to also get into investing, set up this investment club, and you all put in a set amount each month for the last however many years you've been doing it. Um, and then you buy investments as a club, so together, basically. Correct. Yeah. So um, a number of providers provide accounts for these. So uh, can I name providers? Please do, yeah. Yeah, so Hargreaves Lansdon is who we've got ours with. So they they provide a, a collective um, fund. Um, some others do. AJ Bell doesn't, but sell share trade and other people do. So you can buy, you can get an investment account with a provider, and that's what we did at the start, and we use Hargreaves Lansdon. We got a community account with Barclays to pay the money in as like the conduit into it, and everybody puts a standing order into the Barclays account, and that's transferred every month. and then. During the time, we will get together and occasionally we'll send an email out, say, do you want to buy something and have some ideas? We're pretty lazy, really. So most of the time we just meet up at our AGMs and I force the guys into coming up with an idea. Don't I, Jim? You do. We've all got it. We've all got to provide our share tips. Some of us are not taken particularly seriously. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not a strength of mine. And I think I think there's a couple of guys who are a bit more astute in terms of the investment, Matt being one. Uh, another another member of the group, Rod, knows his stuff. Uh, but it's also provided, we've got another member called John, who's um, an anaesthetist down in London, and he's very much into his wine. So he knows a lot about wine. So that's provided that we've invested a bit in wine on the back of John's knowledge. So 
Yeah, everyone's you've got to have a decent mix of personalities, I think it's fair to say. Uh, and you, you need your leaders, you need people who are going to drive it like Matt, but e- equally you need people who are willing to sort of go with the flow. Um, and I think we've got a good mix of people. I think if you had too many too many people trying to run it, it might you might cause problems equally. Someone's got to have enough sort of um, gumption to, to drive things forward. Yeah. And um, so I guess the next natural thing to ask you, because I'm looking at your current holdings, which, as you say, include some wine and some Lego. And I really want to talk about that. But how do you decide what to buy? Because you've got on your holdings, you've got some um, individual shares, but you've also got some uh, funds as well, which is if you haven't aware what what a fund is, it's a collection of shares. Um, So how do you decide what to buy? So generally, we'll come to a an AGM, which we'll have typically over a weekend, and everyone will bring an, an idea. So collectively, we, we buy um, Investors Chronicle, which is quite a good share magazine, and uh, that's available. It's an online thing, so we can all look into that. Can we use the, the same code? I don't know if we're supposed to, but we can. And one of the guys gets the paper version, and we use that and other, other interests, um, and we'll bring an idea along. And we'll all submit one or two ideas. We'll all vote on them. And depending on what we vote on, we'll then choose to buy it in quantities. Generally, uh, you know, safe, what would be historically called blue chips, will go for a bit bigger. And speculative investments, one of which we've got is one called Oakley Capital at the moment, for example, will be a smaller investment with the idea of some diversification, really. And also, you don't want to get caught too badly because the riskier ones are... um, and more volatile, so you don't want to be caught. Uh, we typically have a stop loss on most things. Um, so we, we say that if it drops more than 35%, we'll, we'll sell it. And uh, and then over the year, every now and then, we'll 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 have another discussion. But actually, recently, this whole pandemic has, made, has transformed things because historically, we we talk every 18 months and we have a quick chat before, but now we we meet up every two or three months on on Zoom or or Teams or whatever or Google or whatever we're using to, um, to, to, to come up with some other ideas. Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned, you know, loosely outlined the principles of diversification there, like don't put all your eggs in one basket, always a good uh, strategy. So as a group, how do you decide how diversified you are? Do you, I mean, you're mostly in stocks and stocks, right? Um, you know, you, there's a bit of property, a bit of gold and uh, stuff like that, but um, how do you decide your diversification uh, strategy. Jim, do you want me to lead on? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's, it's very much, like Matt says, really, discussions at the AGMs, really. Uh, we've got, again, we've got that mix of personalities, people who are probably a bit more uh, safety conscious in terms of the investments, whereas other people are a bit more sort of gung-ho in terms of taking more risk. So it balances well. I mean, we didn't we didn't plan that in terms of the membership. Obviously, it's sort of, ended up the way it has but the group we've got really it seems to gel quite well I would say um it's it's naturally formed that sort of relationship so um yeah it's all done it's all done by votes ultimately so we we all bring our our picks to the to the AGMs each each year and then a show of hands really occasionally we'll disagree on the group and we'll go with the majority um but it seems to work on a, a sort of fairly diplomatic basis between the group no, no, um, no punch-ups, no punch-ups. We have, we have, no, we haven't, we haven't, have we? No, <laughs> Surprisingly. No, no. But in terms of what you're saying, Tom, so what we do is, um, 
So if you look at the fund, it's worth about 100 grand now, the, the shares. are. Yeah. And so if we buy a share, you know, there's no point buying a share for one grand, 1,000 pounds. It will make no difference, even if it doubles. So you would particularly take eight, 8,000 as, as a eight or four is what we do. So we, we at the moment, we'll go for eight or four. So if, if it's a big share, so for example, if you buy an Amazon, you'll spend 8,000 pounds on it because yep. that's about, about 8%. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't go over 8% on one share. And if you're going for something speculative, likely to double or halve, you might do four. So that's how we tend to do it. Now, obviously, in the portfolio, we've got Alphabet at the moment. We've had that since uh, for about 13 years. So we started with £2,000 and we've sold about £10,000 over the years. So that's that's gone up by about, well, it's gone up about six, seven times. So... As that's gone up, we've trimmed it. Um, we probably shouldn't have done as it's happened, but the retrospectoscope mm. is a great thing. And, mm. and so you wouldn't know, would you? Yeah. And when you trimmed it, did you sort of pound cost average your way out of that? Or did you sell big chunks? Or how? when you're sort of diluting down a stock like that, what do you do? So you'll, you'll sell it and you don't really want to... The dealing costs are the things that kill you over, mm. the, over a period of time. So we tend to sell it in big chunks. Cool. So we'll spend a quarter of it, for example, or a third of it at a time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I'm looking at the list of where your AGMs have been. Uh, first Purple Nightclub, Chelsea, the races, fishing, Oxford Bar. It sounds like um, the AGM is uh, very, very much fun. A uh, good time to catch up and also run the investment club at the same time, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, Jim, you're the bon viveur. You should tell us about the AGM. Well, yeah, the bits I can tell you about. Yeah, it's I'll a family you. show. It's a family show, gents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a big part of it for me and I think all the guys, really. It's a, it's a great opportunity. And um, even though they cost us a fortune, I think it's fair to say, um, and we have paid for them, obviously, through the share club. It almost feels like we're not paying. So that that's another great aspect to it. You, you know, it's all covered on the day by or the weekend by the share club. So um, you sort of go a bit mad, really. They've got, We've had sort of more sedate ones fishing up in um, the north of Scotland, which was fantastic. Uh, in the early days in particular, we were still in nightclubs. Um, we did venture into a nightclub a couple of years ago. Bear in mind, we're all in our mid-40s now um, in the middle of Manchester, which was interesting. But um, yeah, we've had some great nights and some great weekends. It's given an opportunity for the wives to get to know each other over the years as well. Although I'm glad to say they're not with us on all of these AGMs. Um, it's, it's, it's been a really good good aspect to the whole thing, really. I feel like there's a, a lot of stories uh, at the AGMs, but we probably should move on from that for the benefit of everyone's careers, basically. Yeah, um, <laughs> okay, so let's get into the... You've sent me so much detail on this, and I love it. Um, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Uh, how much have you made, and what's your you know, percent profit? So this is the first time I've ever actually worked out what we've made, because over the years, it's just carried on. So it's quite an interesting process really in fact it's so interesting that we've given some money back and i'd forgotten we'd given four thousand pounds back to everyone in 2008 i couldn't actually remember that which does seem amazing really but what we've made is we have made so we have we have invested we put in uh 11 pounds um sorry 123 pounds and we have taken it we've made eighty-one thousand over the period so we've made a three percent gain every year which you know it could be better considering we've got a lot of tech investments probably should have been better but you know it's not bad it's not bad and 
and we've ended up with 20 what have we got now we've got 22,000 pounds that hasn't really hit us so we've got 22,000 pounds of money each that now you know hasn't really really upset us putting it in so it's this collectivism and real slow burn you end up with 20,000 pounds and we've had some great times so yeah. it's really been quite a quite a good thing to do I think yeah, yeah. I love I love it and you know this is demonstrating a major way that investors make money and that is with time you know over time your returns compound and uh yeah you you know um that you've done three three percent a year um so you've got a list here of and you mentioned tech stocks you've got a list of successes you've got google amazon uh, and scottish mortgage trust which is an investment trust so not an individual share but they hold famously hold about 10% on, I think about 10%. They're pretty heavy on Tesla, right? So talk about the winners. Um, and then we'll talk about, there's a stinkers category, which I'm also interested in. So uh, so we, the winners really, really are those. So Google, historically, um, we thought early and went into early. Um, and that was one of the few we didn't sell, actually. So a lot of the time you'll buy something and you sell it again pretty quickly because it will be volatile and it'll go up and down and you read too much. And this is the whole thing of overtrading, really. Um, and if you overtrade, then then and, and then you'll lose. So the best thing to do is, is stick with things if you believe them. Having said that, there are other things that have gone down through the floor. So we had Marconi at one point, which is no longer in a company because it went bust. So quite difficult investing is difficult i think that's the thing it's difficult because it's difficult to maintain a discipline and nobody knows i remember in the wolf of wall street i think um uh who's the actor that he said nobody knows where these things are going to go they go up they go down who who knows and often you don't and so to our and and the book that you recommended one of the books you recommended tom you know said that it's really difficult to beat the market you just can't do it so you know i, I think you got to remember that this yep. is a bit of fun yep yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because um you know it is by by beat the market you mean uh it's hard to do what you guys do and buy individual shares and then beat the returns of an index fund which essentially just tracks the market in a really boring way um so sometimes boring investing is good investing but um yeah i think it's a really interesting point that it's incredibly hard to beat the market and then you sort of end up going full circle and then you think well why not just buy a low cost tracker fund which um, the greatest active investor of all time, Warren Buffett, has advised uh, most people would be better off buying a passive uh, fund. So kind of advising against what he he's done. But where are you on the whole active, passive, buying individual shares versus buying sort of uh, funds? Jim, can we talk about Tesla? We can do, yeah. Um, so, so Jim, better tell you about is- Tesla. Well, this is an individual investment I've made, and it's important to say I've made plenty of bad investments as well. But I think on the back of this, uh, on the back of the investment club, it gives you also encourages you as an individual, perhaps, and gives you a bit of confidence that you may not have had otherwise to set up your own investments, which I've done, and I know Matt's got his own individual investments, uh, and and you can perhaps be a bit more adventurous if that's the way you are in your own individual shares. So. I mean, I could tell you plenty of my losses, but I, I bought Tesla at the beginning of the year, um, which initially halved. So it was down at about 40. And I was thinking, oh, Christ, I'm going to lose, you know, I'm going to lose more here. But I kept it and uh, sold it 850 last month. So that's 
it's just an example of something that went right for me. But equally, on the individual shares, I've had plenty that have uh, gone down the toilet, really. I've had, I've had a couple that have just kept going down and down. I've not sold them, and they've gone bust. So I think there's no doubt with individual shares, you're at higher risk. But you Most made of my... 24,000, didn't you? Yeah, I made about 20, 24,000 in that, yeah. But I mean, I've, you know, that, like I say, I've lost plenty in other things. And, and generally speaking, I think, I mean, I, I'm not as astute as Matt is in terms of investing. So most of my money, my private money is in funds because I think, it, you know, they're generally safer. And all the funds I've bought have gone up to certain degrees. So um, I think if you, if you don't know what you're doing, you're probably better safe uh, sticking with the funds, really. Yeah, I think that's really wise, wise words uh, there, Jim, about sticking with funds. If you, you know, it's high risk, your guy's strategy it and it's paid off and you've had some great fun doing it. But I think uh, have a check out of our other podcasts uh, on investing because probably funds for the average person is probably better and uh, great that you've done uh, great on Tesla. Um, we, we mentioned, I mean, I really want to talk about two other investments quickly, is that's all right. So wine and Lego. I, I love this. Tell me more. Do you want to cover the wine, Jim? Yeah, well, the wine, the wine, as I say, we've got a member, um, John, who's an Eastist down in London, who's really into his wine. It's a passion of his. He knows a lot about it. He's built up his knowledge over the last sort of 10, 15 years. And it was really driven by John. He wanted to, he wanted us to sort of diversify and get involved in buying uh, wine um, on Premier. So before it's being bottled, really. Um, and I think we did have a bit of a scare a few years ago, didn't we, Matt, where um, where the wine we bought, we were we were invested it. It was in storage. And then one of one of the guys in the in the um, club noticed that this particular company that were looking after our wine were about to go bust or there was big problems with it. So we were a bit worried at one point, we managed to get the wine out just in time. But since then, it's uh, you know, we've kept how much money have we got in wine, Matt? About five thousand, something like that. Six thousand, yeah. Six thousand pounds in wine. So that just provides a bit more interest for us. We've not actually we sold some of it, um, and we're keeping the rest, uh, you know, long term because it's sort of it's um, Bordeaux wine that sort of appreciates with age. But that was a scam. So it was one of these. You know, you think no one. You never get done by scams. It's someone else. But we were very lucky. Not we, to were, we were very lucky. Which was a firm that went bust and was um, it was called Binance and it ended up being a quite a significant scam. So you've got to be really careful. And, and uh, at the time we bought on Premier, which is where you buy in the barrel before it's bottled, and you know very risky, uh, not regulated investments. You've got to be really careful. So if you're going to do things like that, there's some good names out there like BBR and and uh, fine and rare and things like that they can do it for you and they're, and they're pretty good but i think you've got to be just so careful cool and worst case scenario if it goes down massively in value you can just drink it at an agm right right yeah no exactly yeah <laughs> i keep trying i keep trying to tempt them into it but it's about 600 quid a bottle now so i don't think we can stretch to that probably not <laughs> one to straw pe- probably not one to straw pedo in the first purple nightclub in chelsea <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, all right. I'm sure someone's done it. Uh, and tell me about Lego as well, because um, again, this is um, you know something that I never heard of. So uh, years ago, I I tried to persuade my brother. He's always been into Lego to buy some. We were going to buy two sets and keep one. And over the years, I just watched it and I watched what we didn't do and I watched it go up. Um, and I just thought, you know, 
would I spend £6,000 on Lego? And the answer is absolutely not. But would I spend some of my mate's money on Lego? And the answer was... <laughs> <laughs> and store it in my loft. Absolutely. <laughs> but my poor little son, my, my 13-year-old son, I said, I, said uh, I bought one used. It's a terrible idea. Never buy it used. You've got to buy it new. Because we then had to build the thing to work out whether we had all the bits. So I, did, I made some elaborate, elaborate lie about the fact that I got it from a colleague and he wanted us to build it and stuff. Um, and it's, it's now on his shelf. It's a big rocket. It's very good. Um, but, but then one time I said, I said, I've got loads of Lego. He said, you're lying. He's 13. He was 12 at the time. He said, no, I've got loads of it. And I, I opened the loft and he stuck his head through and it was like an Aladdin's cave. And he said, oh, can I make some? I went, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> never touch it so one day i have this fear that i'll come home and it'll be built and him and his mates will be sitting there drinking high quality wine and making lego but it may not yeah. awesome um it's like we're playing investment bingo so we've talked about tesla we've talked about fees we've talked about buy and hold versus active versus passive uh we've talked about gold we've talked about wine the one thing we haven't talked about which we have to to call bingo tes uh, investment bingo is Bitcoin, or shall we say cryptocurrency? Uh, you got any crypto? And if not, why not? So the answer is no. Did think about it a while ago. Uh, one of the guys, the guy that the guy that is the most skeptical is Rod. He's really good. And I said, do you want to do you want to have a look into this? And I don't think he did. So I tend to be a bit more faddish. So I thought it was best for me not to look into it. So I think this is again the skills that you've got in the group. You need to yeah. allocate accordingly, and you know, the retrospective again is a great thing, isn't it? Now it yeah, seems to be a great idea. Tesla yeah. seems a great idea. Yeah, yeah. But it's easy after the event. So Yeah, it's getting yeah. in at the right time as well, isn't it? A lot of it's about timing. Yeah, definitely. And um, so where are you with Bitcoin? You haven't got any. I mean, it sounds like you considered it, but didn't take it any further. What's your kind of take on it? My take is fraud. That's the problem. The take, the take is fraud. If there was a fund that, that, was, that was in it, there's one in America. If there was a decent fund, I might think about it, but I don't want the... You hear about this this guy that's in Wales that's trying to dig up the local dump to get his 250 billion of Bitcoin that's on a on a hard drive that's been buried because he threw it away. Um, yeah. That's my fear. That's yeah, yeah. Thing. I Just mean, last time I mentioned Bitcoin on the podcast, uh, someone was like follow, a Bitcoin fanatic followed me around Twitter, uh, tweeting abuse at me, anything because I said something negative. So basically, where I am with Bitcoin is, as you just said, Matt, it's unregulated. OK, um, it's extremely volatile. OK, extremely volatile. Could go to zero, could go to a million. Uh, so that makes it incredibly high risk. Um, so and it's also tax inefficient, OK, because you can't I like to hold my investments inside an ISA. You can't hold it inside an ISA at the moment. Um, uh, so it's high, unregulated, high risk and tax inefficient. So for that reason, I'm not that interested in it, in it but I'm really interested in the concept of it as a alternative currency. And uh, it'd be fascinating to see where it goes, but I'm happy to sit out on the sidelines. And uh, this probably means I'm going to be followed around Twitter now because I said something <laughs> vaguely negative. About Most Bitcoin. people say 5%, don't they? Say less than 5% of your portfolio. Yeah. I, think that's a good, I think that's what you need to think about because yeah. you're going to you, do it. All these yeah. things need to be a marginal bit. Yeah, yeah. Don't go all in on Bitcoin. I mean, the the, the other reason that I don't like Bitcoin is it attracts a certain type of investor. And sometimes it'd be like, uh, I've opted out of the NHS pension and I 
pawned all my family jewelry and I've put it all on Bitcoin. Uh, and it's like, okay, stop, slow down. Like, do you have an, do you have a budget? Okay. Do you have any life insurance or income protection? You know, how much are you spending? Like the basics have been skipped and they've just gone straight to the high risk, highly volatile uh, investment because it's the latest fad. And that is a, another reason why I'm not a big fan of it. So, um, okay, cool. That was, well, we've, we've called bingo investment bingo there, but if you were to sort of roll back the clock, uh, to 1998, when you started, I mean, what's been your biggest learning points and would you do anything different? Jim, do you want to start? Yeah, no, I, I, I can't think of anything in particular. I mean, it's easy to look back, like Matt says, at some of the things that have continued to go up and we've taken profits. But that, you know, that's in hindsight, really. You never know. It's a good it's a it's a good principle to take profits along the way. I mean, I didn't with Tesla recently and it worked out for me, but not it doesn't always work out like that. So in retrospect, there are some some shares perhaps we should have just stuck with longer term and kept kept the money in them. Um, but other than that, I think it's been a great thing to do, really. I, I don't have any um, anything to add. I think, And I think, like I say, the social aspect to it is really important and not to be underestimated. And, and at £100 a month, you know, uh, like Matt said, you don't really notice it coming out of the, of the wage every month. And after 20 years, you know, you end up with a decent amount of money. So I think it's, I'd encourage anyone uh, listening to, to get involved and set something up. You do need someone who's willing to take that on though. Um, and we've been very lucky over the years to have had Matt who's, who's taken it on for us. So you do need someone who's willing to organize it. Cool. Matt, anything that you'd like to add? So uh, I think you've got to be clear. So the, the big thing about this, I reckon, is that um, a lot of people say you can put different amounts in. So Tom, you might join one with me and you say, oh, I can't afford 100, I can only afford 50. And Jim might say, well, I can afford 200. It's not a very good thing to do. First of all, the accounting is really painful if you're going to do that. You then have to do this, this unit value every month and re redo it. It becomes hassle. And, and so you want a minimum of hassle. So everyone put the same amount in. Over the years, some people have tried to tried to leave. That sounds like with a mafia. Um, but some, <laughs> people have, um, some people have asked to leave or needed some money. And what we've done is we've loaned them the money back with the, the interest rate. And I've taken it once when I needed some money. And I did a spreadsheet and I paid myself, I paid um, back with, with an interest rate attached so the other guys didn't get disadvantaged. And that's a good thing to do because it means that people don't have to go and I still have some skin in the game. So on balance really is make it as simple as you can, have a regular meetup and you know, you'll, you'll, gain, you'll gain trust with your colleagues. At each AGM, I provide the accounts for everybody to see, very transparent. I say, this is all the money that's come out over the year. You can see and where 175 has gone out. I say that I'm right next to it. That's Investors Chronicle, the wine storage that's come out. And I'm very clear on that. And then we have the we have the, the spreadsheets and things I show. And I just think you've got to be transparent. You've got to be clear. And you've got to be honest. Because, um, you know, it's easy to say, oh, I'll just borrow a bit because I need some money now. You just can't do that. This is other people's money. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much for making contact with us and coming on the podcast. And, you know, the podcast is all about empowering doctors to make better financial decisions by exposing them to ideas or ways of thinking that, that medical school probably didn't. And I think that is definitely today has definitely done that. So thank you so much for your time. Um, and I look forward to receiving an invite to your next AGM because uh, it sounds pretty wild. <laughs>
less wild than they used to be. Yeah. But they're still, they're still, they're still good fun. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Take care. Cheers.